0: Hey, CloudCast listeners, before we get to the show, we want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Datadog. You already know that Datadog is a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. But did you know that Datadog is great for your Kubernetes environment as well? Datadog's new cluster agent streamlines data collection from large container clusters and allows you to auto-scale Kubernetes workloads based on any metric you're already collecting with Datadog. To start monitoring your Kubernetes clusters, Sign up today by going to datadog.com slash cloudcast. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, try out Datadog with your Kubernetes clusters, and get a free t-shirt. So if you want to get more better performance, better visibility out of your Kubernetes environment, go to datadog.com slash cloudcast and try out a free 14-day trial and get your free Datadog t-shirt. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the Massive
1: Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Graceley, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world.
0: Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the Massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody's having a good new year. And, you know, we have done a couple of shows so far this year where we've really, like we said early on, we want to look at 2019, what's going on in different different technology sectors. Um, you know, We've had a chance to cover uh, DevOps. We've had a chance to cover cloud native applications. And today we wanted to shift gears a little bit and uh, cover a little more around IT operations, around infrastructure, around what's going on in the data centers and so forth. So we thought what better person to go go out and talk to and go uh, kind of pick their brain than uh, Mr. Ethan Banks, who is co-founder of all of the Packet Pusher podcasts, uh, which a lot of you probably already listened to and should know, but if you don't, definitely go listen to it. But so Ethan, welcome to the show, Ian.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Brian. You said, the, you know, what better person? I mean, I can think of a lot of people, but, but I appreciate that <laughs> vote of confidence nonetheless.
0: Well, you know, I know Aaron and I both have listened to a lot of your shows for a long time. Um, I was a... Uh, a long time Cisco person so I got to know the packet pushers through the networking side of of all the shows that you guys put together and then um, we've gotten to know chris wall who's your your co-host on the data knots podcast so we've listened to you guys for a long time um we love the fact that you cover you know I, I think I think we love the fact that you guys do two things number one you you cover a lot of diverse topics everything from you know infrastructure and networking and security and data center planning and hybrid cloud um, but you guys don't pull any punches i mean you're you're all uh, you know, ex practitioners, um, and, uh, you don't, you don't put up a lot of BS. So I think if, if people are in this, in that domain, um, they're going to get a ton of really good information from you guys.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. You recognize that. Cause that is one of our goals to uh, shoot a lot of holes in the hype cycle and uh, keep it as real and, uh, practicable, uh, actionable as possible.
0: Yeah. So for anybody who, who doesn't listen to um, kind of the Packet Pushers Network, if you will, give us a little bit of your background and then just kind of give us a sense of how broad Packet Pushers has become these days.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, I'm a uh, ex-practitioner is a good good way to put it. Uh, I've been around long enough to go from general purpose IT engineer back in the days of uh, Novell and Microsoft when that's what being a network engineer meant. It meant that you worked on NetWare and uh, Windows NT platforms. Uh, So general purpose from there to the world of being very siloed as a network and security-focused engineer, dealing with a lot of IP infrastructure and firewalls and so on, and then back as uh, now the world is beginning to shift back into general purpose practitioner again. Uh, i like to think of my specialty. The thing I love the most is building and securing the roads out there that get everybody connected. And uh, then I've worked a lot across a a whole lot of different verticals, uh, government and higher ed and financial services, e-learning, medical for a while, Uh, and so on. And uh, Packet Pushers grew from that experience. Myself and the various hosts that we have on uh, Packet Pushers, including my co-founder, Greg Farrow, we all were building data centers and uh, working as typically as uh, technical leads. And we took our experiences in our day-to-day work Mm -hmm. and turned it into podcast content where we could talk about what we did, because there really wasn't anybody back in 2010 that was doing that. And uh, long story short, it, uh, it took off. It's become popular. A lot of engineers have enjoyed becoming a part of our community and listening to our various shows. We went from one show in 2010 to we have eight different channels now, and we're looking forward to adding more. We've got a ninth one on the horizon that we uh, expect to be launching this year, uh, focused on cloud. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, Packet Pushers has become a, a, a voice in the community, bringing together practitioners and, uh, and vendors out in the valley and, and folks in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I want to you know like I said um what I wanted to kind of focus the show on was was IT ops, infrastructure, types of things. Um I feel like over the last couple of years um the the conversation the the kind of buzz around uh, IT ops and infrastructure kind of falls into um, software defined, uh, software defined a lot of stuff, which covers software defined networking and storage, a little bit of HCI, hyper-converged infrastructure, mm. um, hybrid, hybrid cloud seems to be a lot of the conversation of like, are things going to move out of the data center or will it be some mix of the both? And then obviously, uh, a little more practical around a lot of things being uh, automated. So whether, you know, pick, pick your favorite sort of automation tool, whether it's, uh, you know, Chris's favorite in PowerShell or things like Ansible or Puppet or others. I mean, is that... Is that kind of the state, you know, of, of the big the big things that are taking up, uh, you know, IT ops times? Are, are those real? Do you guys feel like those are real things? Do you feel like they're they're too much hype? Where, where, where do you sort of, in terms of, what are the big pillars of things that, that you're kind of focused on versus the things that you feel like are are sort of BS?
1: <laughs> uh, that is such a loaded question. Uh, part of the reason it's loaded is it really depends on who you are as a as a company, as a business, as an organization, and as an IT practitioner, what sure. problems are and what you're trying to solve. So there is a lot of individual context here that'll provide nuance for the answer, depending on your perspective. But so, so here's some things that I do think are indeed real, kind of no matter who you are. Uh, one is simplified operations. IT is complex and increasingly more so the more we can simplify uh, those operations. The better that may manifest itself, for example, as HCI, where a lot of the complexity is masked for you by a unified interface. Um, I think that's part of the reason those sorts of solutions are selling well. Uh, Another thing that's real here that just about everybody needs are predictable results. So no matter how complex the infrastructure is that's being stood up, you need it to work predictably every time. Um, That is impacting process. Uh, That is driving automation. To a great degree, if you leave it up to the people to be clicking and typing and kind of winging it as they go uh, from, from memory, you're going to get inconsistent results. If you can automate as much of that provisioning process, I'm talking about provisioning since we're talking about infrastructure focus and, uh, and uh, infrastructure lifecycle management. I'll, I'll broaden the context to that. If you can automate that, you get more predictable results, which is, which means more predictable results for the business. So that matters and maybe we could summarize that by saying we got to get the infrastructure uh, out of the way um, the business for a long time has complained about how long it takes to bring any sort of any sort of infrastructure online so that an app can get deployed and get moving and bring in a measurable change for the business and it projects seem to run into the many weeks and months and sometimes years depending on their scale so as quick as quickly as we can move along to get the infrastructure out of the way that that's a real need for sure. So we want to stand up infrastructure quickly. We need to be able to scale that infrastructure quickly. Once we've exceeded the capacity that we've got, we need to be able to grow without it being a a dramatic event. And and again, that, that point about automation, all of that, uh, all that automation is helping us with the the way I see it, the chief thing that automation is helping us with is bringing that consistent speedy uh, result. Um, now you want to talk about hype. Oh man, this is such a loaded question. And you, uh, you work for a vendor last I knew Brian. So, uh, so don't yeah. take any of this personally, sure, but, uh, <laughs> but cost savings is often preached by vendors as you buy this, you're going to save money. Really? Um, you know, sometimes that's true, but a lot of times that is just total hype. Um, managing your costs is a very difficult thing. Uh, public cloud is a great example of this. Hey, ah, move to move to cloud, and you are going to save money because you're not, you are not know, burning electricity, and you are not managing a facility, and you can cut back on staff and all of that. that we, we've blown that up. I think everybody knows that that um, ROI is not a not a measurable thing. And some people have even pulled back out of the cloud because uh, cost management is difficult. So cost savings has been uh, been hype. I believe. And now I'm going to pick back on one of the things I said was a real thing and go back to simplified operations. Okay, so the, the glory of hyperconverged, let's say, is that simplified interface, unified interface, and it's great until it breaks. And then <laughs> that's not so great anymore. And Brian, you mentioned the hybrid cloud earlier. Man, there is nothing simple about hybrid cloud if you if what we mean by hybrid cloud is you've got a an on-premises cloud and a public cloud that you are unifying to work together as a a single at least conceptually a single platform upon which you deploy workloads I and mean, there's nothing simple about that either and so i think you know that You know, the the notion that, uh, you know, everything is being simpler uh, and and easier to work with as you use these new tools is nothing could be further from the truth. Man, there's more gears and levers under there than uh, than you can believe. And again, it's all great until it breaks. Yep. Yep. Uh, Another point about hype then. Not every shop needs this. Oh, man, all of hybrid cloud and and all the rest of the buzzwords that we can fill in, whether that's uh, automation, whether that's site reliability engineering, you know, whether that's uh, anyway, a, a lot of these buzzwords that we get all excited talking about on podcasts and writing about, um, back to some of my opening co- comments, this really depends heavily on who you are as an organization and what you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, the, the, the salesperson can walk in, you can read an article, you can hear a podcast talking about the new shiny thing. And it's, it really is hype. You don't, it's, people are excited about it because reason, but that reason may not apply to you. Uh, so again, big, big bit of hype there. Another, I think it's finally starting to die up digital transformation. I mean, I hope we're over that that bit of hype. Uh, and, and, you know, here's my idea. There is a core of truth in the notion of digital transformation, right? The, um, the, the big idea is using your data in such a way that you can advance your business by um, forming deep business insights based on all that information you might have about your customers or your transactions or how people consume your products, uh, et cetera. But some people say digitally transform or you are got to be left behind, and it, you know it 's spoken of as like this this gospel truth but i don't i just don 't think that's the case necessarily, going back to who you are and what you 're trying to get done
0: yep yep no I, I think I think those are all I think those are all good in terms of. Um, you know, kind of highlighting the the realness. And again, I think there is a a distinct uh, shift that we're seeing for pe- people that are saying, "Look, um, while there will always be uh, the engineers and the nerds and the technologists that love the bells and whistles, that love the knobs, um, <laughs> you know, s- simplicity simplicity is becoming a bigger thing. It's it's the just sort of make it work. I don't have time to learn it, or I don't have time to, you know. So so I think there's more and more that's happening there. Um, I think the other things that you highlight are. Uh, you know very much um, you know there, there is definitely a hype cycle for them uh, I, I, got, I got the sense I got the sense we could have we could have reached a point where we needed to, to send you over some blood pressure medicine some of those some of those frustrate you so much and I think i think, think it 's fair i think even, even the comments about about vendors and so forth i think there's there 's lots of situations where vendors can very easily go well, you know if you take yourself from a very bad position, whatever that bad technology debt position is, and you use the new shiny yeah you can make a case where you go yes it 's ninety percent faster, but it, you know it, it does have the sort of flip side that in most cases, no, those numbers don 't necessarily apply, and in some cases you know you ought to be asking yourself, how did we get into such a bad situation you know in the first place that that, mm. that this, this this new thing while it 's wonderful has to save the day like that um, you know how do we avoid getting into such a bad situation again but uh, no i think I think that's a that's a great kind of overview of of where that is uh, let let's shift gears a little bit because you know the other side of uh, what's going on in, in infrastructure is um, you know the the public cloud's a real thing um, you know how people operate in the public cloud as you mentioned is is different than how you do it in your data center, um, not necessarily better or you know good but different um how are you finding uh you know as the the people that you talk to the people that that listen to to your shows and so forth how are they adjusting to the public cloud because to a certain extent there's still lots of stuff that has to be done things have to be provisioned and networks have to work and security has to be strong and um but but it's different right there there's a perception sometimes that you know oh, we don't we don't need the data center people anymore or stuff just goes away like What's the general sense you get from people that are being asked to move applications to the cloud or start applications in the cloud?
1: A few different trends. One, many of the folks that I'm chatting with as they happen to be looking for work for whatever their circumstances are, are seeing expertise in public cloud, AWS and Azure specifically being right at the very top of the list of skills that companies are seeking, which is pretty indicative right there that businesses are understanding, hmm, it's not just a credit card swipe and we can consume these services and forget about a lot of the details. We need people that are experts in how to consume these services and use them well. Uh, That's key. There was the no-ops movement. Um, a bit ago. I think that's died down, and I always felt it was a bit of a myth. I, I think it's mostly over. Uh, I think the reason for that, there's been a lot of failures and outages, some of them very public, uh, services that rely on public cloud, and, and orgs are realizing that just because you deployed on a public cloud doesn't negate architecture and design. You still have to do that design work and properly deploy your application so that you've got um, site reliability, if you will, any kind of reliability and availability. So my, my take is, uh, talking to a lot of folks, yes, ops people are are focusing on maybe automation and some other things, but they are uh, they 've got a seat at the table um for, for uh, from business stakeholders. The app deployment conversation is is widening back out. Ops is included once again as businesses realize that uh, public cloud doesn 't obfuscate the need for proper application and deployment design
0: yeah no i think that's i think that's a great thing and and even you know you mentioned sort of the the no ops movement um you know like like anything that involved involves the word no or less uh these days server less being being one of those um mm. you know it, it quickly comes around to a okay, but you know we we still need certain things to happen and things still have to run I still have to have visibility and um, even, even in sort of the serverless world, we are seeing more and more companies start to pop up that are like, Hey, we do basically monitoring or call it observability for serverless. Uh, you know, the thing that you said you didn't need any operations for. So, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a, a great summary of, um, you know, at the end of the day, you still need people to to keep things running. Um, going back to your point of certain things are getting simpler. Yeah. You know, there are certain things that are getting simpler. Um, but, but certain complexities just sort of never go away.
1: Well, yeah. So, just to qualify that point about simpler, I want them to be simpler more than they actually are simpler. I right, think right. just a point quite worth making there.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you, What are you seeing? I mean, you, like, like you mentioned, you've you've been sort of on both sides of this in terms of you know being a very hands on practitioner to to being more um, you know taking a broader view in the industry. Um, what, what do you, What are you seeing? Are the biggest you know real changes? Um, I mean, are you seeing more people, uh, you know, wanting to adopt automation. Um, you know, I mean, past the, those types of things sometimes scared people because they thought it was a, does it put me out of business or do, we, do you know, do I even have time to do automation if I'm doing my regular job or what, what are some of the other kind of big changes, um, that maybe weren't there four or five years ago that now are just kind of a day-to-day part of, of it ops and, and infrastructure and so forth.
1: So a few comments here. You let in with automation. So I don't think anyone believes that automation is going to automate me out of a job. And once the automation's in place, I don't have anything to do anymore. Uh, People view this now, view automation as uh, an augmentation of their own abilities. If they automate, that means they can get their job done faster. Uh, They can get their job done more accurately with less risk to the business. So automation has gone from people feeling it's a threat to people understanding that it's a tool. It's a tool in their tool belt that helps them be more effective at their job. And the challenge is no longer automation's going to make me disappear as opposed to I have to learn how to do a lot of things I didn't really know how to do before. And it's not just those skills. It's also a way of thinking when you are leveraging programmatic interfaces. When you are writing code and there are decision branches that are being made in that code based on information, and you have to think about things like sanitizing input and checking output and making sure that what you are considering as you evaluate uh, information flowing into and out of your code is um, it has been carefully thought through so that the script uh, is ending up with a result that you're happy with. And then that's just that's just coding and then you get into more complex tools with ability to uh, Ansible uh, Terraform being very popular uh, in cloud and or networking worlds. Um that is a that is a lot of change that is coming but that it, that is real now a lot of the folks I deal with tend to be uh, networking practitioners and automation has been slow to come in that world but even there uh, it is now one of the hottest topics that we talk about on the Packet Pushers network. If ev- anything that we publish related to automation or helping people understand automation tools or get off the ground with automation is extremely popular, uh, they w- rise quickly to the top of the list in uh, download statistics and so on. So it's definitely reflective of what's going on with uh, with folks. Um, yeah, another change, Brian. Here is monitoring of application health. And this goes back to the idea of everybody being siloed where you've got storage people and security people and networking people and virtualization people and so on, each monitoring their own parts of the IT stack versus I need to understand as an IT department, how my application is being delivered. And that involves all parts of the IT stack. And so that is a change where monitoring application health holistically is uh, slowly emerging as a, as a desperate need that I don't think a- anybody is doing well. I don't know of any one vendor that does it all because most of the vendors have built their businesses on siloed approaches. So integrating all those data sets and all that telemetry is, is a big challenge. So at the moment, you really got to build your own system in-house, I, I believe, to get a truly effective application delivery monitoring system. And that's hard, man. There's just so much data out there. We're running in data centers commonly at 100 gig in between tiers now within a data center. 400 gig is coming hard for uh, certain shops that need that kind of bandwidth. How are you supposed to get all of that data mined and get a clear sense of what's happening on the network? And, And there's lots of answers to that question potentially. Which, again, leads to a a complex point because now you're trying to – if you're not mining it all straight from the network, where are you pulling it from? All the different parts of the IT stack, all the different uh, telemetry points that come in. You've got uh, storage. You've got network transport, middle boxes, uh, all the Layer 7 applications that might be part of your app delivery stack. Now let's throw in orchestration. Now let's throw in uh, microservices maybe, and let's scatter them across a cloud or two or three. And how do you actually monitor uh, effective application delivery health? Uh, there are some answers out there, but it's it's tough. And that's a game that's changing, I think, uh, big time. Um, another change here is, uh, well, we've alluded to it, but going back to the general practitioner, public cloud is just destroying all the silos. Everybody's got to work together to effectively stand up an application. It's no longer good enough to say, oh, I'm the security guy, not my problem. All my stuff's working fine, and so on. You can't just throw it over the wall anymore. There is no more wall. There shouldn't be a wall if your organization, if your IT organization has been set up effectively. So uh, public cloud is killing killing silos or cloud operations broadly. We don't even need to make it public cloud. We just say any sort of cloud and then that need to uh, to build it fast, for, for example, Terraform, stand up that infrastructure as quickly as possible and make it solid so that I can deploy apps now. Do it do it now. You used to have this luxury of time. Yeah. Oh, an app's coming, and uh, you don't have that time uh, now. And then, of course, keeping it running, you know, Kubernetes. Uh, knowing everything that there is to to know uh, out there, it's infrastructure as a service doesn't doesn't run in a vacuum. You've also got platform as a service, and so as as IT practitioners, we're all being called upon to know all of these things to effectively deliver uh, an application. It's um it's a busy world uh, yeah. now, Brian.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me let me ask you sort of a follow up in that in that vein. You you mentioned networking a little bit, and um what's the what's the general um, kind of thought or, or state of best practices when when people have to network um, things between their data center and, and the cloud. I mean, is it is it becoming kind of generally uh, accepted that they're doing it as these these direct connect um, types of technologies? So you know, you you go into one of the the locations and you get a direct connect from Amazon, or is it still you know just getting fat pipes over the internet or what? How how is that sort of evolving?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of plays there. One is exactly what you said with the Direct Connect sort of a model. Um, folks that have uh, got an investment in SuperNAB or Equinix and so on, the public cloud providers are terminated in those big data center exchanges anyway. And so a Direct Connect can make a lot of sense. You get some you know, great latency profiles for your connectivity there. So that is fairly common. There are some routing challenges there where you need to make sure you have symmetric routes flowing across that Direct Connect Uh, based on how your routing tables are converging. So you can see IP address space that you're sending uh, to that address space across your direct connect, but it's being learned on the other direction, coming across your internet pipe, and you can get some weird things there. But those are pretty well-known problems. People know how to deal with that. And, yeah, that is a common approach. Uh, But not everyone really needs that. Not everybody is tied up in an Equinix data center where that matters to them, that a public cloud provider is is, uh, maybe have a presence there. Uh, And so those folks are connecting over the public internet. But the way they're doing it is using software to find WAN. So SD-WAN, there's a ton of solutions in this space. I mean, we could spend many hours talking through that. But A common characteristic of the leading software-defined WAN solutions is an integration with public cloud. So if you are trying to improve your performance to, let's say, SaaS, Office 365, your software-defined WAN product knows how to do that. Uh, Let's say you're trying to get better performance out of your AWS uh, presence in uh, whichever data center you've got your workloads located in. Yeah, SD-WAN can know about that. You can actually write... Uh, service level agreements within your policy generator for SD WAN that will help you optimize traffic there. So it's not merely that you've got internet connectivity and you connect, but it's you've got intelligent internet connectivity. That intelligence provided by software-defined WAN that knows about your various public cloud services and can help
0: deliver your traffic to them in an optimized way. Interesting. Okay. So so there really are there's evolving to be. Uh, you know, sort of better ways to get bandwidth and get performance and latency, whether it's you know, to a bunch of infrastructure, level resources like an Amazon or an Azure or Google. But like you said, the, the SD-WAN space, amongst other things, can also mm-hmm. help when you're getting out to SaaS applications, a Salesforce, a Office 365, a, a whatever. So
1: very, very cool. Oh, for, for sure. And just a good follow-up comment, Brian, is that it's not I mean, that the public cloud providers understand that there are folks who won't optimize at all. Their connection is going to be a simple, uh, let's say, dumb internet connection. And they too will optimize performance for you as best as they can using uh, DNS and the rest. So, I mean, it it is a very well-known problem space.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, You know, we've talked for a long time uh, up at the application levels of the stack and things like DevOps and all, where we where we say, you know, um, you know, those teams, the the application teams, are sort of having visibility into the business. You know, we're going to build a new application. We're going to save the business. Here's the metrics that we talk about. You know, it's deploys per day or or, you know, some way of collecting customer metrics and and making changes. Are there equivalent types of things uh, from an infrastructure or an IT ops perspective where those teams are, are like, okay, we're, we're having to shift the language that we use to make the business understand what we do um, so that it doesn't just seem like, oh, it's just there. Um, I mean, is that is that happening much or is that still just, you know, we should be like referees in a sporting event, just do our jobs. And as long as people aren't talking about us, things are great. Just keep it fast and keep it up and running.
1: Well, I mean, it depends on the individual, of course. But uh, the the reality is, businesses are demanding that IT professionals have soft skills, including those folks in ops. So, you do, as an operations professional, need to be able to communicate to business folks effectively using their language. And thinking about them as idiots because they don't understand all the acronyms and the jargon that we use or the implications of switching, I don't know, a DNS provider or moving to a higher bandwidth circuit or adding a node to a cluster. You need to be able to explain that to business stakeholders so that they understand in a a way that's tangible to them what the impact is uh, of changes to infrastructure and operations are going to be. So I I believe – an IT operations person who who is effective at communicating with the business, they they understand things like cost. They shouldn't, they don't just think, just give me the budget and and stop asking me questions. You know, they, they are going to understand that business uh, businesses need to control costs, need to understand what value they're getting for the dollars that are spent. And uh, will respect that as they communicate, not just a solution, but options with different budgetary levels to a, a business They're going to understand that any design that you put out there is ultimately going to be a compromise. They're not going to see things um, as black and white as as an absolute, you know, the best technical solution is X. And so if we don't go with X, this is stupid. You know, they don't think that way. They don't talk that way. They understand that there's um, that that compromise that ultimately is going to be reached that has a bearing upon uh, budget and uh, technology and and practicality, what the business can actually uh, do. Um, these people are enabled thoughtful they're they're helpful they're not barriers they're not egomaniacs they um they really understand that a business and business people business owners they're not stupid people and uh, and businesses um understand on the flip side that they want to include everyone that is involved in a in a major decision like their i t infrastructure uh they're not Problem. They hopefully they're not problem children that have to be uh, left out and told what to do because they're just too difficult to get along with. So, uh, so I said. Now, uh, to be fair, I think I just painted a bit of an idealized world. <laughs> I mean, I know businesses do want this because that is a soft. It's pretty easy to do a little googling and find that businesses are looking for their IT professionals to have soft skills. Uh, and so there is, in, in reality, that divide still, um, there are certain personality types that map to the business owner, and there are certain personality types that map to IT nerds that like to sit in the dark and, you know, do what we do with three screens and don't talk to me. Yep. Um, but but that bridge, I, I think, is increasingly um, being crossed between those two groups.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's good. And it wasn't the, the intention was never to to sort of go like let's continue to pigeonhole uh, certain groups as as uh, as troublemakers and and problematic. I, <laughs> I was mostly, you know, again, you know, everything about this this conversation and this show is really just about like how are things evolving and changing and it and it very much sounds like um, you know, you're you 're advocating for saying, "Look and you know and, and i 've listened to your shows for a long time you 've advocated this for for a long time it 's not new it 's like, look, um, you have to be able to explain to people why what you 're doing is valuable it doesn 't matter if it 's making the network faster if it 's making things secure and 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 there is a there is a human element to that skill it doesn 't mean it should diminish your your technical wizardry, uh, but it just means that you know, at some point, if you want to grow your career or you want to be able to take on more responsibility, somebody has to understand that, and 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 that's something I know from listening to you talk. Like that's just been a constant. It's something you've talked it, about forever. Oh
1: yeah, I, I mean, I I believe as an IT person, you you should look at the business as a as a partnership, and and the the business should look at IT as a partnership, not a cost center, not. Oh gosh, I gotta go talk to those people again, you know, and, and, and then they go down to the down the elevator to the basement and talk to the IT people. Now it should be technology, information technology enables every business to do what they do, and when you as an IT person recognize that and look at the business um, as a, a a function in the world that you as your with your professional skills are are helping to facilitate, then that partnership mindset becomes real and you don't look at the business stakeholders as ah these are the people that don't give me money these are the people that ask me hard questions these are the people that are they'll look at me as a cost center and i've always got to justify myself and it really changes the tone of the conversation and and it can take time to change the culture within an organization to to have it feel that way as opposed to feeling adversarial confrontational but man when you get there it You can march down the road much faster, Um, the business begins to trust you more. And that is, that is a massive uh, change, I think, in the way a lot of organizations are today, between the business and the IT groups.
0: Excellent. Well, let me, let me wrap up real quick. Uh, and I'll say this, this is a conversation. This last question is one we could go on for a long time, but I'll, I'll point to folks, uh, both Ethan and, uh, Chris wall who run a podcast called the data knots, which I highly recommend. Um, you guys did a great job as sort of an end of year wrap up and said, Hey, what are we going to focus on in 2019? And went on for, for quite a while about topics real quick. Give me two or three things that that uh, you know you're looking forward to sort of exploring this year because you feel like um, the technology is maturing and and people are gonna are gonna benefit from it.
1: Okay, I'll give you a, a couple of bullet bullet points, Brian, and I'll keep it tight. Uh, one is uh, reiterating the idea of simplification of infrastructure, avoiding in that context, I mean, avoiding new shinies and understanding when some new technology solves a business problem as opposed to just lining a vendor's pocket and creating technical debt and, you know, and so on. So that that's a huge thing that I'm very keen to understand because every business is different and figuring out which technologies that matter solve which sort of business's problems. I, I, I want to get a, I don't know, I got to build a matrix or something, but to get this sort of aligned uh, well and be able to communicate that to folks. Every, oh, too many people think we got to be rolling on Kubernetes because everybody's talking about it. No, you probably don't. You know, so let's have some of those conversations. Those matter in 2019 as a lot of these new tools begin to solidify. So that's one point, and then a second point. I am very keen to uh, talk to folks who are successfully building. Uh, application monitoring infrastructure. They're dealing with telemetry. They're dealing with real-time infrastructure analysis, and they're putting systems together that give them deep uh, and hopefully uh, predictive knowledge of what's going on in their infrastructure to help them, A, avoid outages, but then, B, recover from outages effectively in a holistic IT stack way, something that crosses teams and unifies IT departments. I still see a massive hole here. But uh, lots of folks that are working on this, and and I know there's folks that have stories to tell uh, regarding this.
0: Very, very cool. Well, listen, um, before we wrap up, uh, give folks a, a sense of, you know, what's the best place to to hear all the stuff that you guys are doing on Packet Pushers and, uh, um, you know, kind of what's the best way if, if people want to reach out. I, I know, like on your last show, uh, like I said, mentioned on the Data Not show, you said, hey, we would love to cover some some day two, how are people, you know, troubleshooting things or solving problems. So if somebody, for example, uh, is one of our listeners and they say, hey, I'd love to go on, on their show and, and talk about my experience of like solving, you know, fixing a really big problem or something, like what are some... Some good ways for folks to get in touch with you guys?
1: Uh, there's several ways. Uh, one, if you want to get in touch with me specifically, ethancbanks.com. Go to my about page, there's several ways to contact me there. Uh, PacketPushers.net. Uh, PacketPushers is a network of podcasts. We have eight different channels. There's a subscribe page. There's also a contact page. You can reach out to us uh, that way. We'll get uh, anything you want uh, sent to us and we will respond. And if you want to be on a show, uh, you've got a show idea to talk about that, you could submit that via the contact form. Or you can tweet at us. Tweet at PacketPushers. You can tweet at knots underscore show if knots is the specific channel you're interested in. Uh, we'll catch you there. Uh, as well so uh, on twitter i'm at ec banks you can tweet at me and i will um i you know i'm not great at keeping up at twitter every second of the day but i do keep up with it and i'll definitely respond to you
0: very very cool well listen ethan it was uh it was great to have you on the show. Finally, um, like I said, been longtime listener, sort of first time caller, if you will. Uh, we wish you guys a, a lot of success with with all of the channels. We hope that uh, the cloud show doesn't take off too much. We'd like to you know continue to keep some audience <laughs> with ours, but uh, folks, definitely go take a look. If if the infrastructure space, if uh, you know the hybrid cloud space, automation, all the things that they cover, um, is is your area. Uh, great content over there. Lots of um, you know smart people that have you know a lot of good hands on experience, and they also you know bring on a, a ton of good guests. So can't highly recommend them uh, enough. Ethan, thank you so much for the time today. I enjoyed the conversation. And folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. As always, thank you for listening. We hope you're having a great 2019 and we will talk to you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and
0: everything social media.